I love Mother's Day. Uh, I love the kids, the kids' perspective. And so several years ago, there was like a survey, just different questions asked to elementary kids about their moms. And so while they're settling down, I want to read a couple of those for you, if you wouldn't mind. This really has nothing to do with, with the scripture that's on your lap, but I want, I want to read this just in honor of mothers today. A lot of questions for these moms. I'm not going to read through all of them because we'll be here a while, but there are some hilarious ones here. Um, some questions that were asked to these elementary school children. And here's, here's one they asked. How did God make mothers? Oh, this is a fun one. Magic plus superpowers and a lot of stirring. <laughs> That's one kid says. Another kid says, God made my mom just the same like he made me. He just used bigger parts. <laughs> I, I like this one. What ingredients are mothers made of? So we're talking about cooking and stuff like that. Ingredients. What ingredients are our mother's made of. I love what this one kid said. He says, God makes mothers out of clouds and, and angel hair and everything nice in the world and one dab of mean. <laughs> hey, being honest. <laughs> Another question for these, from these kids. Okay, so God made your moms. Why did God make mothers? Well, she's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. Another kid says this, uh, why did God make mothers? Well, to help us out of there when we were getting born. <laughs> what kind of little girl was your mom? Oh, this is a good one. What kind of little girl was your mom? A lot of answers for this one, but here's an answer. I, I don't know, because I wasn't there. <laughs> but, but, but my guess would be she was pretty bossy. <laughs> Another kid says this, uh, what kind of little girl was your mom? They say she used to be nice. <laughs> uh, uh, here's one. I'll wrap these up quickly here. Looks like we're getting settled. Um, who's the boss at your house? Oh, that's a good one. Lots of answers on this one. I'll just highlight one of them. Mom doesn't want to be the boss, but she has to because dad's such a goofball. <laughs> In her own words, right? What does your mom do in spare time? Mothers don't do spare time. <laughs> Another kid said this, to, her, to hear her tell it, she pays bills all day long. All right, that's another kid. What's the differences between moms and dads? Well, moms work at work and work at home, and dads, well, they just work at work. <laughs> Just a couple more here. Moms know how, what, what, what's the difference between moms and dads? Well, moms know how to talk to teachers without scaring them. That's a big difference. <laughs> Here's another one. What's the difference between moms and dads? Moms have magic. They make you feel better without medicine. I love that one. All right. What, okay, we'll, we'll wrap it up with this one. What would it take to make your mom Perfect. This kid says, on the inside, she's already perfect. Outside, I think some kind of plastic surgery. <laughs> uh, so take it or leave it, but uh, a little bit of kid humor this morning. <laughs>
we don't need the plastic surgery thing or anything like that. I don't know how we're going to segue into our great God and a mother who praised him, but we're, we'll attempt to do that this morning. Um, so as perfect as mothers are in most of our eyes, the reality is mothers go through times of pain, uncertainty. Mothers go through difficult times, heartache. I mean, when, when suffering not only hits close to home, we talk of that where, well, that was close to home. It explodes the home, if you understand what I mean. There's heartache involved, and a lot of mothers carry this. Both shoulders, they carry this. The reality is that life gets busy, life gets hectic, life gets crazy. Life flat out for a lot of mothers is circus style. (laughs) It's all over the place. Well, this is a situation in life for a mom we're going to look at today. Heartache involved. Trials involved, distracting elements in her life, physically and spiritually. A lot of us will go to this story and we'll run right to 1 Samuel 1. 1 Samuel 1 tells us that this mother that we're going to talk about today encountered a massive problem in her home. You'll remember back to this story. She, could, she couldn't physically fulfill her role in her home and even in her culture. She felt like a huge failure to her husband. She was antagonized and enticed by a proud rival in her home. She was emotionally overwhelmed. This is a woman who genuinely and earnestly poured out her heart to the Lord. This is a woman who knew how to pray. As you go through 1 Samuel 1 and 2, this woman knows how to pray. This is a woman who trusted fully the promises of God, even through uncertain times. This is a woman who carefully obeyed and fulfilled her commitments to God. This is a woman who dependently left the results to her God. That's all in 1 Samuel 1. 1 Samuel 2, we find something amazing about this woman. And all of the craziness of life, all this circus-style journey, she intentionally took time to praise her God. We're going to take a quick time out there for all of us. Because sometimes in life, life gets going, going, going. And what do we do? We can find the time to pour out our hearts in prayer. God, please do this for me. And, And a lot of times, that's how we think of prayer, is asking God to do exactly what I want him to do. Well, this is a woman who went beyond that and in her busyness of time realized that prayer is not all about me telling God what I want him to do for me. Prayer is about me taking the time to acknowledge who he is. And this is what this mother does. She didn't get so busy and burdened with life that she neglected to take the time to praise God. Rather, she shares one of the deepest, most theologically precise prayers of thanksgiving that you will find in the entire scriptures. I'm convinced that just like this woman here, there are so many women in this room today that know how to praise their God. They know God. They know how to talk to God. They know how to pray, and they know how to praise this is this woman. 
Who is this woman? Hannah. All right, the story of Hannah. I particularly like the story of Hannah because of the name. (laughs) (laughs) Hannah means favor or grace. Hannah is the mother of a young man named Samuel. Samuel's very name means God heard. So even in the naming of her child, Hannah is proving how important prayer is. God heard my cry. And this is her amazing prayer. If you would look with me, here's her prayer. You're there already. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted. And right away in our minds, horn is an expression of strength. So my strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge. And by him, actions are weighed. We're going to withhold from reading through the rest of this prayer this morning. But when you read this prayer, what comes to mind? When you think of this, what, what comes to mind? Honestly, what comes to mind is, wow, that came from her. A woman who knew God. What a deep expression of theology. And actually, as you look at what she says here, this is, as we talked, I just mentioned a little bit ago, this is one of the deepest expressions about who God is in all of the scriptures. I'm going to tell you who it comes from. A godly mom. A mom who knew Jesus, who knew God. A a, a mom who looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. A mom who who knew not just about God, but who knew him in a very personal way. And we see this just overflow from her prayer. We see this today, that because God is so worthy of praise, we must be faithful to give it. And that's what we're going to look at today. This simple story of Hannah, that we spend a lot of time in chapter 1. And the story. In fact, when we teach our kids, that's where we go. We look at her pain, and we look at her prayer in chapter 1, and we look at her commitment in chapter 1. And then we kind of go to possibly, if we make it into chapter 2, we just touch and go. But this is rich. This is deep. It's the prayer of praise from a mom who knew God. As we look at this idea this morning, God is so worthy of praise, we must be faithful to give it, just like this woman, this mother, Hannah. When we think about the fact that God is worthy to be praised, here's what I want to do this morning. is just highlight the elements of Hannah's prayer. Well, hang on with me. We won't spend a lot of time on this, especially because there's all the little critters here this morning. But I want us to just highlight some of these aspects of her theology that comes out in her prayer. First of all, here it is. God is worthy to be praised because he is a powerful deliverer. What are we talking about? Okay, that word you can highlight at the end of this verse, verse 1. It says, my, my mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. What is this? You'll be interested to, to hear that this is the word in the Old Testament, Yeshua. Where do we get, what, what comes from that? Salvation, deliverance, rescuer. What is she saying? God, you are my deliverance. You are my rescuer. 
Now, it's impossible to know whether she's talking in just a physical case here because we know he rescued her from her plight. He provided for her. We don't know exactly how deep that runs because as New Covenant believers, we understand the significance of this term, that there's Yeshua, there's Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. God has provided salvation for us. But whatever the case in this story, this redemptive story, and Hannah is placed right at the tail end of the judges in your Bible, right prior to Samuel and the kings, if you remember, in this place in redemptive history, we find a woman that is consumed with the fact that God is her deliverer. He's her rescuer. Simple point is this. We praise God because he is our rescuer. Here's another aspect of this theology that we find in Hannah's prayer. He is distinct in his holiness. In fact, holiness does mean it, it, uh, distinct. How does she say that? If you look with me at verse 2, it's up on the screen. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. This rings true in all of the scriptures that we serve a holy God. As you read through theologians, you find exactly what Hannah, the conclusion Hannah comes up to here. That the holiness of God is what the other attributes and, and, and aspects of God all flow from that. He is distinct in his person and nature. I mean, this yells out to me, Jeremiah 10, one of the prophets, there is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is great in might. What's the point? Hannah realizes that God is holy. He's distinct. I love this because if you think of the story, if you were Hannah, and you were praising God, what would you praise? God, you're so amazing. You're so good. You provided, right? And she does that. But I want to tell you, in this story in this prayer of Hannah what does she take the time to praise the very nature of God that he is holy the saying as we just the same as we just sang just a bit of go as you find in Isaiah holy 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 lord god almighty all the way through the scriptures you find this aspect of god that he is distinct we come to the end of the story in your bibles in revelation and what do we find we find in Revelation those sitting around the throne and what are they singing? You are holy. This is the God that Hannah worshipped. She pointed out that God is distinct. Let's go to another aspect of her theology that is pointed out here in this story. God is secure foundation for life. He is the secure foundation for life. Where do we find that? There again in verse 2. There is none holy like the Lord. There's none beside you. There is no rock like our God. What did Hannah realize here? As she's taking the time to praise God for what he's done, she's realizing that there's no stability in life that will ever match what she can find in Yahweh, in her God. What's, I mean, what's a simple takeaway for us today? We live in a world that's constantly telling us, okay, Jesus and God and, if you want to find stability, add something to this God. This is some archaic thing. God in the past wrote the Bible. God, Jesus, the Trinity that we just sang praise to. This Trinity, well, you kind of need to add some things to that. 
I want to remind all of us that in the scriptures, Jesus says of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but my, by me. This is a very exclusive worship to the foundation. All other ground is what? Sinking sand. And what does Hannah acknowledge? Clearly she acknowledges in her life something amazing. Here it is. God, you're my rock. Through all of this instability in my life, God, you are the grounding in my life. Let's go to another aspect of this praise of Hannah. He is supreme in his knowledge. Verse three says this, take no more so very, talk no more so, so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth for the Lord is a God of knowledge. In other words, she's saying, God, you know everything perfectly well. You knew what I needed. You promised me something amazing. You know my son. In fact, as you think back to chapter one, what did she do particularly? This blows my mind. Because sometimes in chapter two, we think this woman's heart is resolved. Everything's okay. Put yourself in her sandals, all right? What had she just gone through? The son who she loved, she went and dropped him off at the priest's feet. Take care of my son now. Can you imagine the anxiety that this praise came out of? Thinking constantly of her son thinking constantly of the one who she loved, serving a priest who, quite frankly, failed at being a dad. If you look at the scriptures, he failed. If you think about her, she's dropping her son off with this failure father priest, this guy priest, and she's trusting God. And what does she do? She praises the fact that God knows everything perfectly well. God, you know everything I'm going through. Okay, quick time out. There's some in this room right now that are going through some tough times, some serious struggles, financially, physically, whatever it may be, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, whatever you can tag to that. As much as the people sitting around you would want to know what you're going through and want to identify with what you're going through, I'm going to stand here as a reassurance to the fact that God is the only one who perfectly knows what you're going through right now. Praise him for that. He is an all-knowing God. And Hannah particularly points out the fact that God knows everything. He's all-knowing. You know what I'm going through right now, God. Let's go to another aspect of her praise. This is one, just to be quite honest with you, that we don't like to talk about in theology. In fact, some refuse to do it. Because this sort of implicates God and brings him to a place that doesn't stand in our realm of fairness. Here's what it is. He is supreme in his knowledge. He is secure in his foundation. But the last one, he is just in his dealings with man. This is hard for us to wrap our minds around. Why? Because the temptation from the beginning of your scriptures to the end is this, to take a holy God, a distinct God, and make him like one of us. To force this God into a box that we can understand. And when God does something that we think isn't quite fair, we jump all over that and say, this must not be a legit God, or this God has deficiencies. And I want to tell you exactly what Hannah says in the scriptures is God is God. And if God is God, then he is perfectly fair and just in all of his dealings with man. 
That's what she says. If you would look with me in verse 3, talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. You could continue to read through the prayer to verses 9 and 10, and you see very clearly, we're not going to go to that right now, you can see very clearly that God is a just God. God is fair in his dealings with man. So much more to that discussion. But I want to do this. We just saw the content of Hannah's praise. This beautiful content where it wasn't all about, God, can you do this for me and this for me and this for me? Or I thank you that you did this and this and this for me. She takes time not just to acknowledge what God has done, but she takes time to acknowledge who God is. An incredibly important aspect of praise to God. Recognizing who he is. This God is holy. This God is just. This God is all-knowing. This God is powerful. This God is a rock. And this is Hannah's prayer. But beyond that, I want to make this practical. In the real life practice, the, the real life person of Hannah. And it, and it goes back to our theme. Our theme was this. Because God is worthy of praise, we must be faithful to give it. So as we're faithful to give this praise... How do we do it? How do we do this praise? Well, I think we get hints of this in the prayer of Hannah in verse 1. Hannah says this, My heart exalts the Lord. She starts there. My heart exalts the Lord. So what's the point? How do we do this? Well, true praise proceeds not simply from the outside. It's not skin deep. Praise comes from a changed heart. It's from a heart that's overwhelmed with who God is. It's from a heart who worships God in the beauty of his holiness, who worships him in spirit and truth. It is from a heart that has been changed. We now are, are known as new covenant believers by grace. And as the new covenant, as new covenant believers, we have a permanent and dwelling Holy Spirit that will never leave us. We understand this from the scriptures. This Holy Spirit has changed our hearts. But what is an aspect of this praise? Hannah says, I praise God, I exalt him from my heart. The heart is the center of who she was. This is huge in scriptures. Jesus, when he teaches the Pharisees, the hypocrites, what does he go to? You've got everything put together on the outside. But where's your heart? Hannah says, I exalt you not just simply on the outside. I exalt you from my heart. I rejoice in you from my heart. A lot more could be said about this, but a simple question is this to myself, to all of us in this, in this room. How deep does your relationship with God go every day? Are we content to just put on the right face? To just wear the right things that you need to for that particular time? to just put all the right actions together? Or the question is this, has this God that Hannah's praying, has he got a hold of your heart every day? Let's go to another aspect of this because the heart, it doesn't stop at the heart. When it starts with the heart, it continues on. Hannah says this, my heart exalts in the Lord, my horn is exalted in the Lord. What in the world is she saying? She's simply using metaphoric symbolism or a symbol okay in that time there was a lot of shepherding going on if you had a real powerful animal you would have these things called horns you understand what i'm talking about 
This is a symbol of strength, which is not that abnormal to what a lot of us do in this room. All right, when I go hunting, what am I looking for? The biggest, meanest dude with the biggest antlers. All right, that is a symbol of strength. Elk hunting for me is looking for the big dude. And that is a symbol of strength. Well, that's not that far from what Hannah is saying here. My strength exalts in the Lord. So what has she just done? She's gone from the fact that, God, I praise you from my heart. I rejoice in you from my heart. Now it flows into every single thing that I do. Every ounce of strength that I, do, uh, that, that I exert in a given day, that is going to praise you, God. Now let's go beyond that. What else does she say in this passage? And Hannah prayed and said, my heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. And then she doesn't stop with that, though, because some of us like to stop there. What does she say? My mouth. She goes straight to her, the words of her mouth. Derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. This praise influences expressions of our mouth. As we go through this, it's impossible to know exactly what she's saying, whether it's a smile or a word that comes out of her mouth. All right, honestly, some of your translations will say, I smile at my enemies. Others will say, with my mouth, I boast against my enemies. It's impossible to know exactly what's coming from her mouth, but here's the point. Here's the point. She praises God with expressions of communication from her mouth, whatever that may be, whether it's a smile or a word. This praise from her God has impacted her heart, has impacted every ounce of strength in her body, and it impacts her words, the way she talks and communicates. This praise is much deeper than the skin. It's impacted her whole life. The greatest tool of communication God has given us is what? Our mouths. And with this mouth, we praise our God. The point is this. This praise of God influences Hannah's entire being, her heart, her strength, and her speech. So what? We can wrap this up today. I'm so uh, amazed at how you did as parents, keeping your kids quiet. I haven't even heard them hardly. But let's wrap this up today. So what? What, what can we take away from this story of Hannah? We often go to chapter 1, but chapter 2, where her heart is poured out to her holy God, her good God. What's the takeaway? I, I would just simply propose this question. Do we really believe that God is worthy of wholehearted praise? Do you really believe that? Honestly, this week as you analyze what she says about God, God is holy God is just. Do you believe that God is just? He's fair in his dealings with man. God, God is a rock. Is God really your rock? Is he really my rock for everything I do? God is all-knowing. Is God really all-knowing for what you're going through right now? Does God know it all? Does God have a plan? Honestly, do we believe this way? I want to say, as we come to this question, do we believe, really believe that God is worthy of wholeheartedly, wholehearted praise? We will see if we really believe it, if we actually participate in it. So that's the next question. Do we really praise our God? Not just do you believe in it, but do you praise God? We live in a crazy life, don't we? Our lives spin. 
Some people call it retirement. You know retirement doesn't happen. You just get busier. <laughs> All right? You're busy at school. You're busy. Everything we do, our lives, you know, people say technology is going to make your life easier. It doesn't. They say technology is going to build margin in your life. All we do is fill that margin with something else. Our lives are busy. But the question is, in the busyness of our lives, do we take time to praise God, not just for what he's done, but for who he is, just like this godly mother, Hannah. So the challenge is this week, will you take time to praise the God who loves you? Will you take time to faithfully praise your God, acknowledging who he is, not just what he's done for you? Teens, some of the deepest worshipers of God that I have ever come across are teenagers because they know their God. Do you know your God? I know there's teens sprinkled throughout here, so I didn't mean to just talk to you guys. Do you know your God? Do you praise your God? Children, out of the mouth of children, praise proceeds. Do you praise your God? Parents, are are you teaching your children not just to expect things from God, but to worship who God actually is? The beauty of his holiness. Older generation here. Do you pray that, and, and do you help nurture the younger generation to teach those children? Do you learn more and more about this God every day of your life, embracing the fact that God is a holy God? God is a God that knows everything. God is a just God. God is a secure foundation in our lives. So God, this morning, we thank you. We praise you that you're a great God. I praise you for the theology of this mother that we looked at today who wasn't so consumed with what you had done for her as much as who you were, who you are. Yes, she acknowledged what you'd done for her, but she starts this off, God, by acknowledging who you are. I pray that that would be the same for us. God, I pray that our relationship with you would be deeper than skin that it would go from beyond our heads into our hearts, that we'd realize that this knowledge of God should touch every aspect of our life. This knowledge of who you are should come out in how we speak and how we smile. Oh God, I pray that our relationship with with you through Jesus would cause us to smile. Some of us would be able to tell our faces that Jesus saved our souls. Lord, that is the prayer of our hearts this morning. I thank you for a congregation that listens so well today. I thank you for the opportunity we have to get together. I pray now as we close out in song that you would help us to go our ways loving you more, more overwhelmed with who you are. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.